Uh, joining me now is John uh, and Phil uh, for to talk some politics at the end of the week. And also on the phone from Wellington is Sarah. Are you there, Sarah? Hello. Wonderful. <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, so, um, who wants to start with the fact that uh, Labour's ahead in the polls? Yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, I, I believe it's the first time that Labour's been ahead in the polls for, I don't know... 12 years. 12 years. And so it's quite astounding. And um, it shows that, that that whole momentum of, of uh, Labour pushing it ahead is continuing, and also that there's a negative momentum for National, which is their big danger, that people see that they're dropping in the polls, that um, Bill English is dropping, also dropping the polls in, to, in terms of preferred Prime Minister stakes. So the momentum is there for Labour possibly even go up um, higher than it is now. Labour's on 43% according to the Colmar Brunton poll, National on 41%. Um, what this means is that Labour could now, going off those numbers, form a coalition. It has a choice of either forming a coalition with New Zealand First, which is on 8%, um, and it wouldn't need any other supporting partner, or alternatively with the Greens and Māori, the Greens being on 5% and the Māori, Māori Party being on 1%. Um, whereas National would need a combination of partners to govern. So that's also uh, uh, could lead to further negative momentum for National in that uh, Labour is seen as, as being able to more feasibly form a government after the election, going off these numbers. Is, uh, is it just Jacinda? Well, that's arguable, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it has to be because um, uh, Labour has gone up 20%, mm. um, um, and the only factor that you can bring in is, is just in domania. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, also, National is starting to... is, is campaigning very poorly, um, possibly as a sign that they know that things are looking bad for them. They've started to come out with some pretty... Um, dog-whistling policies um, trying to appeal to their base which, and you know, Stephen Joyce's attack on the, fiscal, the supposed fiscal hole um, is coming across as pretty desperate and uh, a bit crazy really because, you know, no one could back him up on his, his um, claim that there was an $11 billion hole, dollar hole um, so I think National's losing it for itself as well, it's, you know, yesterday in the debate, Bill English is coming across as very technocratic um, and that you know they are using negative and attack um, politics, which I think are putting people off. But I, I mean, I think yes, Jacinda is able to communicate, but she's got a whole team of people around, and I think there's been a big shift in Labour's confidence and their ability to articulate confidently and with passion what they're what they're all about. Grant Robertson is also improved, is performing very well, I think. I, I, yeah, I think um, if you go back just. A month, four or six weeks ago, Labour was looking quite staid and lame, and that whole thing has changed now. Yeah. You know, suddenly it's National that's looking very staid and lame, and I think they haven't worked out, and I, I doubt that, that they will because there's only a couple of weeks left. They haven't worked out how to deal with the with the Jacinda effect. Um, you know, they just expected, I think, to walk to victory. They were just going to have to deal with Andrew Little. Um, Labour was not looking in any way confident. Um, it had no, momen no momentum, um, apart from a little bit of backward momentum. And now the whole thing has changed. And, the, yeah, the key factor in that has got to be her. The policies are still the same. But um, 
and like Sarah says, once that effect started, I think National has been completely wrong-footed, and now they've they've got no answer. And the boot camps—that's like that's straight out of two thousand and eight. Like. Uh, It it didn't work then, uh, and I don't think there's been outlandish advances in boot camp technology since. (laughs) And I don't don't think it is appealing to their base. I think uh, National's base is no longer um, conservative, boring uh, men and farmers, etc. National's base is a lot wider than it used to be, including a lot of people who are more liberally orientated, and I I think that sort of uh, sending bad kids off to a military camp wouldn't appeal to a a lot of National supporters now. Yeah, But don't forget they're also trying to get a few votes off New Zealand first. Sure, yeah, that's I mean, true. They, they are trying their best to solidify the Conservative vote because they have to, because yeah, they're the only ones who can do that. But I guess it lacks sincerity because they've just brought in this policy now after nine years of oh. policy, so it doesn't, doesn't feel sincere, it doesn't feel it authentic, which is what politics I mean, is all about now. Yeah, deciding after nine years of denying that you could measure child poverty and target get a target to reduce child poverty they decide they can do that uh, two weeks mm. up yeah in the middle of in the middle of a debate <laughs> uh, we've avoided this uh, in the house for the past nine years but oh, since you asked nicely Jacinda um, or actually that one was Hoskins but yes and I think um, um, looking at Jacinda and the whole Jacinda effect, um, which I, I, I do again see as central to Labour leaping ahead in the polls, um, I think some of National's attacks are actually valid. Um, I think the, especially over talking about Labour's lack of detail when it comes around um, um, budgeting, around about around taxes, around actually eliminating poverty, because we had Jacinda Ardern um, say this week that. Her, the whole reason she got into politics was to get rid of child poverty. Now, I've never heard her say that before, but OK, mm. let's accept it at face value, what she said. But there's, there's very little details coming about from uh, Labour about how they will actually um, eliminate or uh, lessen child poverty. And they, they keep talking about um, housing and the, the housing problem as, as one of the key factors that is leading to widespread poverty. But again, they have very few solutions to deal with the housing problem. They say they'll set up a, a tax committee after the election uh, and, and then um, use the advice from that tax committee to think about how they use taxes to deal with issues such as um, inequality and housing. Uh, but again, that's, that's completely lacking in details. Um, Jacinda, it's certainly working for Jacinda talking about values and about her belief systems and about her overall big goals. Um, but I think um, if National wants to really hit Labour hard, rather than coming up with ridiculous statements like there's 11 billion hole in their uh, fiscal estimates, which clearly isn't true. Um, no economist is backing national on that. Mm. But they can hit Labour hard on, on the lack of actual policy to deal with the big vision questions that Jacinda Ardern is continuously talking about. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I disagree with you on, on that front, so, uh, John, in some ways. Jacinda has put child poverty at the centre of a lot of her um, parliamentary politics for the last few years. She's had a private member's bill. She tried to get a bipartisan approach to child poverty. Um, none of it has necessarily got a lot of public profile, but she has. it has been central to a lot of her parliamentary work. Um, in terms of policy on housing, their, their housing policy is quite detailed. Um, you know, this Kiwi Build proposal, which is to build is it 100,000 more houses. The aim there Only is... Only 1,000 state houses a year, though. Down. 
yeah, to try and bring down um, house prices. So they have actually got quite a bit of detailed policy around housing, not on tax, as you say. They've parked that for a tax working group, um, and that's obviously a big factor in addressing inequality. Uh, well, the um, I've just talk, touching on housing, it's uh, very great that they both have these uh, plans to build X number of houses each year. Um, but where are you going to put them? Because everybody wants to live in Auckland, and uh, I, I don't know if you've checked recently, but Auckland's chocker. Yeah, um, I mean, National Assembly talked about um, bringing legislation to free up land mm. in Auckland, but that just means Auckland's further expanding, mm. uh, and it's um, it's arguably unworkable to have a, a city which isn't a particularly high um, population by international standards with such a large land um, urban sprawl. Mm. Um, yeah, Labor's got the same policy. I mean, I agree with you. Labor's wants to extend the urban boundaries and, and I agree with you that you know, most housing most urban expert planning design experts would say that's not the best way to go you've got to increase density, medium density housing which is kind of what the um, urban you know, the Auckland Council's plan was about but yeah, Labour and National do seem to have a similar approach of extending the urban boundaries and mm. that's a way of getting more land for housing. And I think both parties I think yeah, I think both parties are very much that they're not in terms of their detailed policies. They're targeting um, the middle income sector of the population in terms of their house rebuild. So when they talk about um, um, say four hundred thousand plus being a, an affordable house, well, that sounds um, beyond my means, for example, and I think beyond the means of a lot of New Zealanders. So that's not going to address poverty at all. Um, Labor's talking about a thousand state houses a year. I believe National's talking about now building. 2,000 um, state houses or social houses a year, which is, is significantly below what, say, the Salvation Army has called for. The Salvation Army said if the state merely, if the state builds 3,000 state houses a year, that will just keep the problem uh, level at where it is now mm. in terms of lack of housing for poor people, including beneficiaries and, and the working poor. So, a thousand state houses or two thousand state houses a year is is, is not even um, going to keep uh, the problem within the manageable limits, so-called manageable limits. It's, uh, now it's going to get worse mm. under both Labor's and National's proposals. So, neither party is is coming up with solutions to deal with that link between lack of housing and poverty. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, there's no magic button. Um, you can't just uh, wave a wand and have uh, either child poverty or houses. Just uh, one vanish, the other appear. Yeah, obviously. it's a complex issue. Yeah. But at it, the same time, it's not rocket science. No. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I agree, I agree with John. That, you know, actually, we need a game changer, a real game changer in the housing market if, we, if we're going to significantly improve housing affordability and that means the state investing significantly in the provision of, of good quality affordable housing and as John says that doesn't mean $400,000 plus, it means houses that are genuinely affordable to rent um, not just to buy, to rent and to buy for, for people on very low to low incomes and um, I agree that you know this kind of a thousand state houses here and there is not going to do it we need a real game changer and it isn't rocket science, you know, you build, you buy land, there's crown land that's available, you build um, increased, you know, in, um, medium density housing and um, you, we could change the game, we could significantly improve um, housing affordability and quality, but um, 
I agree. I don't think there's a game changer on the table at and, this stage. And you don't just do it in Auckland, but you have a, you know, like a massive crash state house build house um, building program all over the country, oh, and you country. make sure that you have um, new industries and so on in you know spread out nationally so that there are jobs with decent wages for those people so that they can afford to buy and to rent the houses because you know you can build houses um, like John was saying and if you charge four hundred thousand dollars for them people can't afford them because the other end of the of the spectrum is the problem of low wages and low um, social welfare benefits as well and neither party is seems to be all that interested in having a much higher wage economy or in even returning benefits to the levels that they were at before the mother of all cuts back in the, at the start of the 1990s. Yeah, in terms of the minimum wage, which um, so when the government the government sets a minimum wage, where uh, what in terms of what employers have to pay pay employees, Labor is talking of raising that I believe to sixteen dollars fifty. Um, and, and National has responded saying, well, they, they would more than probably uh, raise it to that anyway within a year from now. Um, but for, for uh, in terms of what both parties are advocating for minimum wage, that, that uh, isn't going to alleviate people's mm. poverty at all. Uh, $60.50 is not a livable wage. We can expect inflation to go up by 1% or 2% over that period by the time we get to $16.50. So again, uh, in terms of housing, in terms of minimum wage, um, and in terms of mechanism for raising wages, it's arguable that neither party is providing policies that really going to deal with that that problem of, of the working poor, people who have jobs but are still in a state of poverty. Yeah, certainly. Um, and I'm afraid that we're going to have to wrap this up because we've got uh, news in a couple of minutes. Uh, thank you very much for your time, John, okay. Phil, and Thanks, Sarah Chris. in Wellington. Thank uh, you. Uh, enjoy yeah. the rest of your morning. The, yeah. You're listening to Radio 191 FM. Yeah. This is